Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio. The Addicts, four year stay in the championship is over. If I tell you today that I. I decide not to, to stay. I think there are good reasons for We can now say the decision taken in 1975 by this country to join the common market has been reversed by this referendum uh, to leave the EU. And as such, I think the country requires fresh leadership to take it in this direction. Yeah, I've spoken to both Charlton and, and Chris to say we want that, you know, right to get it resolved in the next couple of days. Um, they're obviously going to have some discussion, but I think uh, Chris is their main target. It's recently appointed by the Blades, Chris Wilder, manager of Sheffield United. Where do we start with England and Mr. Barkle? <laughs> well, that was the worst performance I've ever seen from an England team, ever. I have watched absolute f***ing season being a total fan. My f***ing season has been horrible. I came here to f***ing cheer myself up. This season's been and then this summer's Her Majesty the Queen has asked me to form a new government, and I accepted. Uh, I'm very pleased to introduce you Russell Slate, uh, the new Charlton Athletic manager. Listen, I'm delighted to be here. It's a fantastic football club with a, a great tradition. Well, it's been one hell of a long summer, but delighted to say welcome back to Charlton Live Live this evening here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. I'm Louis Mendes, your host. Joining me here at the Valley in the studio are Tom Willing. How are you doing, Tom? Had a good summer? Yeah, good. Thank you, Louis. Excellent stuff. And joining us, uh, Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan? Yeah, living the dream, mate. Okie dokie. <laughs> on tonight's show, we're going to look at the comings and goings throughout the summer here at Charlton, the mood of the fan base now uh, throughout the summer, look ahead to the season itself where we have an exclusive interview with Belgian football expert John Chapman who tells us exactly how Roland Duchatelet is viewed in his homeland. But just before we get going on talking about Charlton, just, uh, we're joined by Dave Phillips here from Maritime Radio. Dave, thanks for, for joining us here in the studio. We're, we're joining up with you guys again. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, we're joining, we're joining up with you guys again throughout the season. Um, I mean, Maritime Radio was something we were, we were with last this time last year. I mean, it's uh, back again this year. What sort of things are we can we expect on Maritime? Yes, we were operating from Greenwich last year, and obviously we are very thankful for the trust allowing us to be here uh, for the next uh, 28 days, starting from, of course, the 27th of this month. Um, we're expecting lots of things, really. We've probably got the Blackheath Festival coming up. We've got... Uh, 
out help with all the people and all the youths in the uh, in the uh, trust that we uh, you have here today and um, we're doing some things with them we've taken them out giving them some recorders they'll go out and and, and grab some information of the area and uh, generally enjoying themselves excellent stuff and um the, you've got a host of, of reasonable names coming on on, on again on maritime and uh, you're going to be going out from on fm from i think the 27th of august 101 fm so it looks like it's going to be a good good year for maritime that's right we're on 101.4 fm uh, in local area, probably about four miles from the the valley, uh, and maybe a bit further if you're lucky. Uh, but mainly streaming on your on your uh, feed as well, and also we'll have a maritime feed as well on on the tuning app, uh, and. Uh, it should be really good this year. Yeah, excellent stuff. So as, uh, as Dave said, there's, there's a, now a tune-in app uh, station, both for Maritime and for Charlton Live. So if you want to search for Maritime Radio on tune-in, you can. You can download it to your phone and listen on the go. You can also search for our own station, Charlton Live. If you, you know you're going to be away from your computer on a Sunday or a Thursday evening, you can search for Charlton Live and listen to us. Uh, we are now uh, live twice a week, which, uh, as you can tell, because you're listening to us right now. Um, uh, on a Thursday evening from 7 o'clock we're going to be right here uh, for an hour every week so you can listen to Channel Live uh, live twice a week Dave thanks uh, for coming in and for setting us up it's, uh, thank you very much thank you for yeah. the trust as well yeah and uh, just before we, uh, we get going tonight I just want to dedicate tonight's show to uh, a Charlton fan to, uh, a friend who sadly passed away uh, during the, uh, the close season Nick Roberts was a, 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 a fan I met through um, drinking in the ROD which is how I think I met everyone uh, I know to do with Charlton. He, uh, he was also, it turned out, a colleague. We, we worked for the same company uh, at distance, and uh, sadly, uh, Nick passed away. So I just want to dedicate tonight's show uh, to Nick. Cousins, lovely ball into the park for Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Vinicone! And there's a goal! Charlton have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out of Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vinicone, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2 1 up. Charlton Live. So it is Charlton Live. This is the big match preview, and it's been one hell of a, a summer once again. Um, uh, a, ch- a changing manager, I guess, is, is the main thing to point out. Jose Riga uh, resigned to a, on the on the last day of, of the season, officially after the game against Burnley, uh, and then we we chased after it. I think it was Chris Wilder first. We went for that was quite public, and we and we didn't get there. In the end, we've we've gone with Russell Slade. Happy with that appointment, Tom? Yeah, yeah. It took a while coming, didn't it? And and like you say, they interviewed a, a few candidates and. We worried that we weren't going to get our man, and once again we were going to be relying on on someone who perhaps didn't know the league. But I think in Slade we've got someone who's prepared to fight for for what the fans want and for what the players want. He seems to be bringing in like-minded players and players that care about the team. And yeah, he seems to be building a, a pretty good work ethic under under this kind of regime, which is good to see. It's, it's been um, quite well publicised um, at the time that we were going after after Chris Wilder and Northampton. Uh, came out and spoke about that, and that was that was. It's unusual for it, for the club to re- to reveal that. And I think it was it was actually Northampton's decision because they wanted to be really upfront with their fans about about what was going to happen. Um, but it was slightly embarrassing that, that we didn't get any. Ended up at Sheffield United, a, a, a rival as such. Um, yeah, I mean, it was at the time it was a 
sort of an own goal in terms of uh, PR and not seeing it through and not, you know nothing was ever finalised but you know it is what it is we've got Russell now and I think a lot of people are quite happy with Russell um, you know he speaks his mind um, if you haven't seen the uh, press conference today I'd definitely watch it um, just a few things and the way he says things he's just you know he wears his heart on his sleeve and he knows what he wants and usually gets what he wants so uh, yeah it's exciting times well, some of the things he was talking about today in that press conference for example talking about um, how unprofessional the management of, of injuries has been over the summer, and that was that was one that, that you picked up on earlier, and that, that was an interesting uh, comment. If you wanted to sort of go into that, yeah, I mean he he did really go into quite uh, in depth, and he did actually look quite genuinely angry about it because he did, you know, I think the reporter said, you know, oh, he picked up an injury against Welling, and he made clear he said no, he didn't. Um, I think he was talking about Diara at the time. I think he was like, no, this yeah. is a historic injury. Um, you know, he get went in to say there was no real plan, and you know, for the players during the off season, there weren't a date set for the pre season meet up again. And yeah, he seems quite uh, vocal and you know disappointed in the the whole setup of it all, really. But again, you know, it's done now, and uh, yeah, he seems like he's he's settling in well. Yeah. Now the um the, the very first time we got to hear from Russell Sader as the child manager. Uh, was in his press conference, his first press conference here at the Valley. And now you, you, I've been going through um, the, 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 the conference itself to try and, just to try and pick up on, on little clips and things that were talked about. And, and uh, obviously, in hindsight now, we've seen how the, the rest of the summer's gone. So I'm going to play this, uh, this clip for you first from his press conference on the first day where he talks about what he hopes to achieve in the early weeks of his tenure here at the Valley. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I will have a huge influence over the comings and goings at the football club. Yeah, no, but it, it, it's, it's, as I said, it's wheeling and dealing time, isn't it? And um, that's, that's going to be part and parcel of it during the summer. Um, sooner rather than later, hopefully. It's always nice, isn't it, as a manager to get your group in earlier rather than wait until the last minute. But at times, you, you've got to be patient. It's about getting the right fit, that's the thing. If we have to wait a bit longer for the right fit, we will do. That was Russell Slade there. The, the, the first thing talking about was how he was hoping to try and get signings in early. And now I think um, discussing this with, with someone today, we're talking about how you know the, the, the squad isn't really still isn't quite where well, it's not where it needs to be. As of, as of a couple of weeks ago, we're here in a sec. Uh, Russell Slade was quite forthright in the fact he wasn't there. Um, do, do you think perhaps we were we were slightly um, spoiled the day that um, that we got the the promoted from League One last time in terms of the fact that we had all those signings in before August or is that what we should have hoped is that what we should have tried to achieve this year I think it's a bit of both I think it's definitely something we should have tried to achieve this year um, and you know he recognised the squad was a bit of a mess I think we could tell from the end of last season how depleted the squad was and I think that's something you want to aim towards but at the same time I think what Powell managed to do that year was, was very unique and quite rare to be able to do that so I'm not surprised that we weren't able to um, I think we were throwing a bit of a false dawn as well with the signings because they did come very quickly one after the other at the, at the start of the transfer window and therefore perhaps we, we lulled into a false sense of security that we were going to be bringing more in. Um, maybe if those three or four had been separated out a bit more we wouldn't have been sort of clambering after new players but like he said today you know there is still more gaps that need filling because yes we've brought in some excellent quality and I'm sure we'll go into those players in more detail but the squad itself is still massively thin and we're still having to rely on youth players as we've seen through a lot of this pre-season. Yeah, and the way the way they like say those players came in earlier and, and they were good players and you know you saw I've always found it very interesting to see how how the fan base reacts to to stuff these days. I mean because obviously at the end of last season I've never seen a Charlton fan base so low uh, in my time so I was I wasn't here for the time that we left the valley. Uh, and some people who were suggested it was worse in the, the way things had been going. Um but but 
you know, that we make those free signings, people start to think we've, we've got Slade in, we've got free signings, so they start to feel more positive. But then, I guess, as time drags on, that's when, you, that's when people are starting to get a bit worried again. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> with the uh, the old, the, you know, the first time we were in League One and Pal built uh, that squad and, you know, we had all those players coming in, we, na- we need to remember that Pal had the season before to sort of assess the squad so he knew exactly what he wanted. And obviously there was a, a scouting system in place to try and get those players straight away because he knew he was going to let, let a load of the other players go the, all, the, all the Deadwood but um, you know Russell's come in and I think like you said the players that came straight away, straight away was very promising um, and every single player he's brought in today even today's one um, they're all sort of leaders they're all sort of British know the league um, so we are going the right way about the sort of players that we're getting in So now as the summer progressed and, and like I said we've made those three signings the Jose Holmes and Novak coming in early. And then it gets to the stage where we start seeing these players leaving, and we're seeing Cousins, JBG, the, the two goalkeepers leaving. And it, it comes to the late in Orient friendly, which is two weeks before the start of the season, and you're seeing a lineup there that's got, uh, you know, it's got four youth players uh, who, between them, have never played a league game for Charlton. I mean, I mean there, there's some good players in there. I think um, uh, Dylan Phillips as a goalkeeper, from when I've seen him playing for, for Cheltenham against Bromley, he, he, looks, he looks pretty good. Um, Esri Konza I've seen playing at youth level and I'm impressed by Hanlon I'd seen at youth level a bit and uh, he's got a great goal against Bromley uh, it looked reasonably useful against, uh, against Leighton Orient as well um, the, and then you've got Oli Muldoon who again is a real bruiser in the midfield but, and, and these are all players who definitely have the potential but we've seen uh, too many times perhaps over the last couple of years the perfect example for me being Carlin Ahern Grant yeah. that if you bring in players too early then, then, you, then you can damage them yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you used the right word there. They're promising young players, but through pre-season, we've had to treat them as first-team regulars yet again, which is what happened last season. And you look at the, the players we've brought in and the perhaps headline players that have gone out, and you can pretty much match them up one-to-one. Um, but then there's been a load of loan players that have also disappeared. There's more squad players like Poye, like Reza, like uh, Mota, like uh, Bergditch, those sort of players, Sabeos, who are all squad players, they've all gone as well. So if anything, our squad's got even thinner. And the players, like like you say, I thought Konza, uh, I saw him against Ipswich uh, the other the other week, and I thought he was fantastic. Hanlon, when he came on, was a nuisance. Philip was really commanding that game. But you can't be relying on those yet again. Um, and like I say, we have brought in Pierce and, and Rudd over the last week, which perhaps helped a little bit, but there's still more bodies that we need to bring in. Yeah, so um, with uh, the, the way that Charlton had struggled over the last couple of years that people talk about squad depth and, and we worry about that and we also wonder um how how much roland wants to wants to spend money on on on, on the squad and, and how how he might think that we could get away with a smaller squad than perhaps someone like russell slade did and that's why was, i thought it was interesting after the late in orient game we've got the clip here we asked uh, we asked russell uh, about the squad because other other um uh, head coaches have been a bit more candid about it. I remember asking Carol Fry about the size of the squad on his first game away at Middlesbrough back in Halloween uh, last year, and he said we can only play 11 players, <laughs> which pretty much summed up his argument. Um, but this is what uh, Russell Slade said when I asked him about the size of his squad after the Leighton Orient game. The depth of the squad, is that something you're happy with or you think you're getting Oh, there? no, no, no. We're, absolutely, we're miles away. I'd like to think between now and the start of the season um, we can get another... F- five or six additions to the group because in all honesty if we're going to be competitive at the top end that's what we need to do so, so there you had it that's what that's what um, Russell Slade had to say and, and now that is a, a really good 
statement for a manager to say because it, 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 is, it is a plea for, for your, your, the owners to go out and buy some, some, some players. Yeah, I mean, and obviously since then there's a few that's come in. So obviously we had Bert Pierce come in today. Um, there's apparently one um, that's sort of three quarters of the way down the line. So maybe that tomorrow or maybe Monday or something. Um, so he's, he's, he's slowly but surely, and he said in his press conference today, we just need to try and be a bit impa- uh, be impatient, rather mm. be patient, um, because obviously we, we've lost a lot of players. Um, a, a lot of was talking uh, talked about about you know the um, the fees that we got for especially Jordan. I think uh, and there's a lot of sort of we could have got a bit more, but I think if we all put our you know take off the rose in its specs, we we sort of knew all of those were going to go anyway. So, but you know slowly but surely, but. Um, with the squad we've got, you know, we're on the right track. So yeah, yeah we're on the right on the right track. But yeah, we're, we're clearly not there yet. I no, no shows, way. Um, after after those comments from from Russell Slade, we saw a lot of uh, of fans once again uh, really worried, um, talking about ramping up the protest straight away because uh, Cardiff said that they're, they're going to try and have a hiatus from disrupting games at least for the first month. Um, and, and and that did get people worried because because of what we have been through the last couple of years in, in terms of not having squad. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, I mean, Card did say that they weren't going to um, protest for the first few games, which, I mean, I agree with. I think, you know, just for out of respect to Russell, uh, just, you know, give him some time and stuff. I mean, by all means, if people want to protest, you know, outside the game, you know, outside, you know, outside the ground and that peacefully, then so be it. But, um, yeah, I think that's the right call, just letting Russell do his job and let's just try and settle in, especially until the sort of windows mm-hmm. slam shut and we get those another three players or whatever he needs. Yeah. Now, of course, the, um, the the worries after Slade said that after the, the late in Orient game, I guess they, they started to get even bigger as, as we went an entire week. Uh, and I think in that time we only picked up Andrew Crofts, who'd, who'd been with us as a, as a trialist anyway. Um, and and uh, an entire week and, and still no signings have been made. So I asked Russell again after the Woolwick game uh, how, how his feelings were then. And I, I, I think I sensed a slight change in tone. Now, in the, um, the, the week before your, your, your first league game, normally... Uh, managers would, would start to have really an idea of, of what their, their starting eleven would be for, for the big yeah. kickoff. And with uh, the, the fact that, that there haven't been the signings that you perhaps you were hoping in, to, to happen since since late in Orient, was is it a bit of a worry yet? No, no, no. It's not a time to worry at all. I mean, the, the, the thing was, we, we we've had six. Uh, this is our seventh game, uh, and, and most clubs have six. So, you know, in terms of the personnel. And, and where we're at, we, we could afford to um, go a little bit different today because we got the numbers under our belt individually and collectively as a, as a group. Um, in terms of more personnel coming in, yep, that is the one thing that we are outstanding. That is the one thing we are behind with. And that's the one thing that needs addressing before, uh, before long. Obviously, our first game is, is, is on uh, Saturday. And... Um, you know, the window closes at the end of August. So we would ho- we would hope quite clearly that um, by then, you, you know, we've made maybe five five signings or something in that region. So there you go. I mean, Russell's obviously still talking about we're needing four or five signings. We said five, then we've made two in the week, uh, the, the goalkeeper and, and, and Jason Pierce today. Um, the, the only thing I would say is he, he's now sort of, I think the late in Orient interview, he's like, right, we need five players. We're miles away. Now, now he took the tone down. And I said, is it time to worry? He said, it's not time to worry yet. Um, he was he was uh, sort of I I think he's the, the late annoying one. He's he's put his message out there to the boards like you need to sign me these players. Now he, he he knows that he also has to keep he has to reconcile with the board a bit and not have fans panicking and have have it look like he's arguing with the board. So he needs to take a more con- consolidatory tone. 
and, and just try and calm things down a bit and say, look, you know, there is till the end of August. I mean, ideally, we'd have those players in by, you know, three or four weeks ago so we can get them to jail. But that, now we know that's not going to happen and Russell knows that's not going to happen. I think the way he's playing it is to try and not make out that we're still a crisis because he, he's coming to a football club that he's trying to fix because it's very much broken. Mm, I think he's handled it brilliantly myself. I think after Leighton Orient, to hear a manager come out and say this isn't good enough, we need more players, is exactly what fans want to hear in, in a sort of weird way. Obviously, we don't want to have to worry about our squad, but we are. So when the manager comes out and says that as well, as opposed to saying, nah, everything's rosy here and we're all fine, you know, it shows you that the manager's onside. Um, since then, he's brought in Rudd, obviously... He's brought in Pierce as well today. Two experienced players going to be really good at this level. I think from the way he's talking that he knows there's a couple more coming in and I think he added to that, uh, I think Nath referenced it, he added to that in his press conference today as well. And, you know, those are all adding to it. And then those youth players that we talked about earlier, they can be used as squad players. You know, we can rotate them in. We just don't want to rely on them. So I think he's had, you know, six, seven games now to see that squad. He's made a, a few additions. I think he's getting more comfortable with it. Do you feel um, comfortable with, with, with Slade at the top? Do you think he's the right man to lead us? I mean, we've seen in the past at clubs like Yeovil, Leighton Orient, he's done well working with smaller budgets, small-time clubs. He has never got promoted, though, which is something that was pointed out to me. I mean, he's missed out by a penalty kick yeah. at, at Wembley with the O's. But, you know, is that a bugbear that, that, that might hold him back? Well, I don't think so, no. I mean, I've, in terms of his pedigree, like you said, he's, a, you know, Yeovil and, um, and Leighton Orient, he got a... You've got to remember the Leighton Orient team. He got to the player final and lost on penalties. weren't full of world beaters, um, so we know what he's like. He knows he gets the best out of the players that he's got. Um, so yeah, no, I was, when, when we got him, I was I was quite happy with it. But um, it's better than the dross we have had. So um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm actually really I really like Russell. I like the way he is and on training field and as he is in, in the public eye as well I think we've got to be realistic about where we are as well when you look at the odds of new managers coming in whenever a manager gets sacked the same old names are up there and they might have more experience or they might be what you might term bigger names but actually like you say Slade's good at working with this sort of level of club with this sort of level of player He's, he knows how to rebuild things and actually I think that could be quite an astute piece of work to get him in and Everything that he says so far, I've felt more confident in than any of the previous managers we've had since Powell had to leave. His um, ability to manage upwards uh, mm. is, is something that's going to be important here because we know uh, through experience from the last the last two and a half years that uh, unfortunately we, in my opinion, we have a CEO who's, who's not an expert on football. We have an owner who's not an expert on football, and that's caused us problems throughout um, throughout the season. So it's important that I mean, if, if you've heard some of the things Russell's talked about, he's talking about redoing stuff at the training ground sorting out the um the the discipline of players and that sort of thing about you know he was saying apparently when when you first turn up the players were as soon as they do the training they're being straight in the car and, and there's not this team spirit around and, and he ha- he has to manage the entire club like a manager yeah and that's and, that, and that's what you want you know you what you want him to build a team uh, and an ethic you know between the players and i think i was surprised when i heard you know a lot of the players just went training and just went off home. I think it speaks volumes in terms of the last couple of years. So um, what he's done is he's does what you know a British manager does. You know he knows what works and he's come in and he's doing great. But I mean, um, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's the first ever manager we had who wears a hat on the sideline. Uh, Powell had his flat cap occasionally. Yeah, yeah I suppose yeah, yeah, flat cap, but a baseball cap. No, this is this is a full on cap, isn't it? Not <laughs> that I can think of. Yeah, yeah, Does anyone know? We've never had few of this, so who knows, right? Uh, so yeah, this is uh, Chum on Live. This is a big match preview. Our first show uh, back from the summer here on Maritime Radio. Going to be back in thirty seconds.
Eddie Jackson! It's Eddie Jackson! Charlton Live. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, Charlton Live. Love that, love that. Uh, here on Marathon Radio, this is the big match. We're going to look ahead to the, the entire season starting with Saturday's game uh, at Berry. Uh, we, we've made some signings, hooray! Um, I, I thought it'd be a, a good idea to, to sort of go through the, the signings that we've made one by one. Uh, starting at the top, um, I think the, the, the standout signing that we've made in the summer, Nicky Jose. Uh, was it 24 goals for Swindon? Mm. 25, 25 for Swindon yeah. and mid-table Swindon last season. Um, if he can replicate that, if you, if you have a 25-goal a season striker, you're halfway there, aren't you? Yeah, fantastic signing. He's someone who, we, you know, that sort of calibre of striker we've needed over the past few years and we've not really had it. We saw, obviously, Mackinock come in on loan. We've had Reza here. We've had players that just haven't quite hit the mark and Slade's come in, immediately identified someone from a lower league who's clearly got good proven goal scoring experience and just brought him in and I don't know exactly how much we paid I'm assuming it was undisclosed like everything else but mm. you know I'm sure we've paid paid I, a lot for him I think mm. I think I remember seeing it reported around 800,000 yeah, pounds right, okay. yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah, not, not a small amount no especially for a club like us who historically over the past few seasons haven't spent but he's got proven experience he's energetic again Ipswich the only pre-season game I've seen but I know we didn't have a huge amount of chances and he had to do a lot of the work up there himself, but he was really working hard to get on the ball where he could. And yeah, you would think at this level he's going he's gonna to get us a few goals. Excellent stuff. Um, the, uh, the only thing I'd say about Jose is I think he started off, he was a Man United trainee, but I remember him being on loan at, at Berry hmm. about five, six years ago and he was, he was meant to be the next big thing there. And then he ended up going out to a few more loan clubs and, and, and spending a spell at Leeds and then he never seemed to hit the heights that he was expected to and I remember feeling slightly disappointed as, as in him as, as someone mm. as a player I'd watched because uh, we were all told he was going to be the next big thing then he's, he's gone to Swindon last season it's just clicked mm. so that's the, this is like the, the first season in four or five where he's, he's been able to get a good run of games as well which is important of course but he's really found his form and if he can, if he can continue that it, it shows what he can do a lot for us especially with and we've already seen him score a hat-trick against against Welling it's only Welling but uh, you know, he, he knows where the goal is Yeah I, th- I, think, I think the key for Nicky to you know to try and replicate what he did last season is to um, have someone, someone up with him or at least get the midfield that's going to help him in or around yeah, because yeah I mean without the serve I mean he played up front with, uh, with a beaker quite a lot at Swindon so he always had that partner I mean you, I mean, I don't know how small he is probably five, what 5'7 five, something like that he's not going to hold the ball up and you know bring others into play you need a, a man with him for him to sort of feed off so which I think Novak fits the bill massively he, yeah he's the next signing on the mm. list he was on loan at Chesterfield last season he got you know 10, 11 or 12 goals uh, on loan from Birmingham City uh, and in that game we've only really had one chance to see him play together that Welling game but they, they, they were linking up quite nicely and mm. you know Novak could be that sort of player but with a decent goal return last season yeah I mean no, Novak he's, he's like one of those four they're all kind of like aggressive strikers you know the ones who make a nuisance of themselves and you know as well as that he actually can score a goal or two as well he's not one of those sort of hesky types where he just puts himself about and then hopes to score off his shin or something but scored against us yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that doesn't really say much <laughs> everyone scored against us last year and the year before but um, yeah no Novak looks good and hopefully uh, he's hand or wrist or wherever it is can yeah. get fixed yeah he's, he's been having that problem with his hand we saw him, I, saw him, I remember seeing him falling over at Orient and he was, mm. the way he was shaking his hand I thought oh god here we go mm. 
knowing Arla could be put down. We went to the specialist today, didn't he, to see if he can have the the, uh, the magic cast or whatever it is, um, see if he can play on Saturday. So I assume Russell will know by now if we're, yeah. but he won't release anything. I assume yeah. until then, so we don't give Flickcroft the yeah, inside that was info. Say, that, yeah. was, that, was a, that was a funny kind of. <laughs> And uh, uh, the, the news shopper asked him today who's going to be our centre-back pairing. And that, that is the sort of thing you say, would that be, he wouldn't say at all. Like, uh, that was quite funny. <laughs> um, uh, Ricky Holmes, ne- ne- next one. Uh, Rich Corley, South London Press, has picked out Ricky Holmes as his man to watch for, uh, for the, the, um, the, the season coming, which meant that when he told us that against this, which left me and Kev Nolan trying to pick out every little mistake Ricky <laughs> Holmes made just to win it. But, you know, it's a, it's a winger who played in a really successful Northampton Town uh, team last season, a team that was coming through club turmoil itself, but actually produced on the pitch, scored a, a hat full of goals. I mean, those three players between them, uh, Holmes, Jose, and Novak, last season they scored 49 goals. Charlton last season, as a, as a club, scored 40. <laughs> so we, we've signed some goals, and there's another player that looks promising. He's coming towards the, 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 the back end of his career. He's a bit older than, than the other two. Uh, but uh, Well, it's similar to, to Novak, but he's a bit older than some of the players we have been signing. But, you know, he's... Uh, he looks promising the Northampton fans were sad to see him go mm. and I think that age brings experience as well doesn't it and despite that again I have to go back to the Ipswich game because that's my frame of reference but he looks so energetic he obviously comes with a huge amount of creativity he gets assists he gets goals Nathan talked earlier about uh, Jose needing that support and that sort of creative threat and that's something especially Goodmanson was basically doing all of that on his own last year and now he's gone it's someone, and again, I kind of talked when we were talking about the ins and outs, that you can kind of match up one for one. And where Goodmanson goes, I think Holmes can slot in and, and do that role pretty well. He seems to, seems to be pretty energetic. Uh, and yeah, as I say, we need to get him on the ball as much as we can and, and provide for the two strikers. Talking about attacking players, though, I mean, we're looking at who, el- who else we've got to go up from. We've still, we've still got Lookman currently. I mean, he was one that everyone was expecting to leave. He's still, he's still here at the moment. Mm. So, you know, we, we're not sure what's going to happen with them. We've got ha- Callum Harriet, although um, New Shopper reported today that Russell Slade has said that they'd, they'd, they'd be interested in him. I mean, Callum, yeah. a hit and miss sometimes, a, mm. a frustrating player to watch. But League One last season for Colchester, where he, he had a clean state, he'd he done, he done brilliantly. And, and we mm. recalled him. And then he came back and started quite well as well. So, you know, hopefully this mm. will be a good season for, for Callum to get that confidence back and, and to pick up as well. But in terms of attacking options, we're, we're kind of at the limit now. That, that's all of them I've read out. It's about mm. five to, to play our, our front six. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I made a, f- a few notes like, ahead of today. And, and one of them was the sort of players that we do still need to bring in. Because like Slade said, we do need at least four more. And a, a winger or an attacking midfielder or a creative midfielder, I think at least one or two to cover those kind of areas. We've got... You know, we've got Kashi, we've got Cross, we've got Diara, we've got Bar, we've got Jacko, Kashi. We've got lots of defensive midfielders or tenacious midfielders, but we haven't really got a huge amount of attacking threat. And a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think we do need a couple more there. Obviously, we've got the likes of, of Hanlon can come on and perhaps, you know, give him a chance or maybe even a Hearn Grant. But, um, yeah, I think we still need to bring in at least one or two to cover those positions. Now, so we made those three signings early doors, as we've mentioned. Then we had a bit of a hiatus. Although we did, we had had a few players on trial, Lewis Buxton, uh, Sanupo, I think, from, from Spurs, mm. who seems to have fallen away mm. now. Uh, and, and Andrew Cross was, was the next one. Now, he's one that, that looks, he's looked okay. Uh, I, I was told that out in Austria he was our best player. And he's come in, he's sort of a midfielder uh, with a very similar running style to Scott Parker. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that yet. Noticed but, that, yeah. yeah, but he's, uh, he's been signed up now. And again, an older player, but the sort of experience perhaps we're going to need in the middle and it uses the ball quite well. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a quite a uh, shrewd signing, Cross. Um, and I, I know a lot of people weren't uh, jumping for joy. You know, he wasn't this creative spark that we had. But I think we might see um, Russell playing quite a few of the sort of defensive minding players to sort of press win the ball back and give the ball to the Harriets the Holmes and uh, Lookmans and stuff to express themselves and try to create chances that way um, but yeah and after he was you know our best player in Austria apparently I wasn't there but um, yeah no he experienced you know he, he could probably still do, do a job at championship level so if we look at it seriously, I think it's actually quite a shrewd little signing. And they, they talk about the good characters that we've signed, and Russell Slade, I think you see, spoke to Mick McCarthy about this one and said mm. uh, a good character. And that, the, the, the thing I found interesting, I think, um, uh, I, wonder, I imagine most people agree, that the, the players we have signed and are of the quality and of the experience that, that we should be signing. It's just mm. probably not been enough yet, but it suggests that Russell is getting getting the people he's asking for even if he's not getting all of them I guess but. It's, it's not an easy process is it I'm sure it wasn't an easy process for Powell when he did it but you know like Nathan said earlier he had had a season here he'd identified the players a lot earlier and the, the regime he was working under was slightly different at that time I think you know we've been so starved of this kind of signing and of this kind of manager for the last two or three years that I think on the one hand we're grateful for whatever we can get but on the other hand we're like right let's take this chance while we can and let's get as many through the door as we can but when you look at all of those signings the same words I keep writing down every time I was noting you know experience knowledge of the league knowledge of of, uh, British football uh, you know the forwards they all bring goals they all bring creativity you know Mackinock okay he was a big name he'd been out in Syria which is quite romantic but he couldn't come and, and handle this league and adjust straight away and these players they are doing that and you know, we go all the way through, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Rudd in, in a minute as well. What an experienced goalkeeper for us to be able to bring in, and they are the sort of players we should be bringing in, but we just haven't for three years. So it's it's so nice to see and, and refreshing to see. Yeah, and that was uh, yeah. On, we're onto onto the goalkeepers now. I mean, uh, we we lost. Uh, we'll talk about the players we have that have gone and and, and pay tribute to them in, in a little while. But we, we've lost um, the, we lost both Hendo and Pope. I don't think we were expecting to lose Pope at the start of the summer. We were expecting to lose Hendo. Um, and that left us in this in this position without a goalkeeper. Um, I understand the reason the Declan Rudd transfer took so long is because Norwich knew we were desperate and tried to get a little bit more money out of us, basically for for the the, the loan field or the the, the wages. Um, but again, Ru- I mean, Russell Slade he does he does talk about you know being patient and, and getting his man rather than panicking and going and getting someone else. 
Yeah, um, yeah that, what you said about Norwich trying to hold on for more money, which is a bit cheeky of them, but I think all of us would do it. They went out and uh, signed Jones today, didn't they, which is another goalie. So um, he obviously knew, they sort of knew they wanted to let Rudd go anyway. So, But uh, yeah, no, Rudd, see him a couple of times. I think he played like 10 or 11 games in the Premiership last year, didn't he? So yeah, he played a fair few. And I remember, I think it was against Everton. He had an absolute worldy game. And then obviously that game against United, uh, where they won. So mm. st- still quite shocked that we actually got him because I'm pretty sure a few championship clubs would have been in for him but um, he's played for England at lower levels all, yeah all levels yeah so um, and he obviously knows uh, I think he knows Crofts I think I think he's he knows one of the players anyway yeah. through before but um, yeah no brilliant signing and finally um, um, Jason Pierce joined today a player again we we, we, we we'd heard, we'd heard whispers that we were chasing him for a, for a, a couple of weeks now uh, and again we, we, it look like, looks like we've had to be patient but he, he signed today and if you they're always a good gauge to see how, how good a player is as you check the uh, opposition fans, how, how mm. they react to the fact that their player's left. And every single Wigan fan I saw was disappointed to see him leave. So uh, one league one last season, enjoyed it so much, he's come back to try and do it again. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you said uh, you always look at the opposition fans' views of their players and we had the same sort of thing with Naby Saar, didn't we? Everyone was disappointed that he left uh, Sportless. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, you know, Jason Pierce comes in and he's put an old school centre back, you know, very vocal, um, knows what he wants. And yeah, I think he'll be a great partner to whoever he's going to be partnering. But yeah, no, I think he's a great, great little sign. And again, especially on a permanent deal this time. Excellent stuff. Right, that's the players that have come in. Uh, back in 20 seconds or so, and we'll discuss the uh, the, the, the more significant players who've who've left. is fed in, lovely touch, goes round his player, chips across the box, Jackson, oh, oh yes, what an over Johnny Jackson, arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skippers give a Charlton the lead. Charlton Live. That's very weird. Charlton Live. Welcome back, Charlton Live. You can tell I've had a fun summer <laughs> making all these, uh, these little, uh, little uh, splashes for us. Right, uh, I think 15 or 16 players who were here at the end of last season, including loanees who've, who've gone back to their club or, or been released by whoever, are no longer here. Um, and the, the fact that those 15, 16 have gone and we're currently, we've bought in, what, six, that does make people stand out and worry. But obviously the, 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 the bigger worry is the fact, the, the, uh, the fact that we've lost players who are the spine of the team. So you're looking at Henderson and Pope, the goalkeeper. We're looking at... Um, uh, you know, Johan and, and Cousins in the middle. I mean, these are players that, that were big for us. Um, I mean, Johan, for starters, he's, he's gone off to, to Burnley. I mean, he, even in a relegated team, he was, the, I think, one of the top assist makers mm. in, in the Championship last season. And, you know, people often, I think pe- people often questioned Johan, I think, because I think his body language wasn't always good. But if you, if you actually look at his results on the pitch, you know, he, he was providing assists when, when perhaps others weren't. So uh, he, he will be a big miss. I think he made her offer his own back as well by being so good in that first season because he brought so many goals in that first season as well as the assists. And then in the second season, the team was far worse. His, his shooting boots were slightly off. He was still having the same chances. He just wasn't putting them away. But like you say, in a, in a team that only scored 40-odd goals, he got so many assists and, and was joint top assist assist maker in the whole league. So... Yeah, unfortunately, he was just you know way too good for League One level. 
Um, I think we always knew he was going to go. Um, mm. You know, his message to Charlton fans at the end showed, you know, despite what his body language might have said after games, how much he cared, how much he understood what the fans wanted. And Burnley have got themselves a very good player. How much he plays in the Premier League, I'll be interested to see. But I wish him well and hope he does well there because it, it always seemed like he gave his all for us. Yeah. Uh, fee of 2.5 million, uh, r- rising to 3.5 with add ons is, is what I've. Uh, heard if what I've been told. Um, did you think that's a good deal? Um, I mean, I mean, how 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 do you value yeah. a player when you're a fan? Is the mm. question, really, isn't it? Yeah, and also if you if you if you get if you get relegated to League One, you're also you're sort of on the back foot in a way, really, because you've not really got that bargaining power in your hands because you need need mm. the money and the player know? wants to go exactly, and you can't really stand in a player's way if he wants to move. Um, through different reasons, you know, if he's in a dressing room and no one wants to be there, you don't really want him there. So, yeah, two and a half million rising to three, it was okay. But um, when you've seen some of the uh, other transfer fees banded about this year, it's quite, um, yeah, it's quite minimal. But I was happy with it, to be fair. Now, someone who seems to go for for less, uh, <laughs> Jordan Cousins. Um, wow. Rumours of around one point five million. Um, Rumours again of perhaps there was a, a release clause in his contract which might suggest why it was so low. Um, I, I, again, I heard that apparently there wasn't actually much of a market for, for Jordan Cousins. The, the, the way you try and value a player mm. is if there's two or three teams coming in and try and mm. take him. There, there wasn't. There, there was QPR and that was it. So that, that sort of set the value because uh, there wasn't a bidding war. He, he went a bit cheaper. I'm surprised. And obviously when you, you read his... his uh interview once he left it, he made it clear that he really wanted out and relegation I think he might have even used the phrase was the final straw you know he'd made his decision he wanted to go so it's a shame really because only a year or two ago he was being you know scattered by quite a lot of Premier League clubs from what from what we hear and there are a couple of people who were seriously interested and if anything I would have thought his stock had only grown in his performances over the last two years but Again, you know, we've gone down a level. We need the money. Roland's, you know, looking to make sales where he can and bring in money. So I'm not surprised that we haven't bartered a bit more for it. But I am, you know, I don't think that's really reflective of his talent, especially when you compare it to the fees of other players. I think he's worth a lot more than that. And I think QPR will see that when uh, when he plays next season. I always wonder when, um, when, when a player is a homegrown player, uh, we, we we would always be more positive about it. Mm. So we, it will be interesting to see how um, yeah. how QPR fans see him. You always get a lot of people who try and rewrite history when you say the player. I weren't he weren't that good anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um, the the only thing I'd say, I mean, Jordan Cousins a really good box to box midfielder, tackler, hard worker. It's just at times I felt his um, distribution did let him down slightly. Mm. But you know, you wonder if in a better, more confident team, whether they'll pick up again. Never quite weighed in with goals yeah. either, did he? Yeah. Which um, again is well, something I think. Ironically, he... did get one against QPR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he would need to work on that. But like you say, he's so eager, he's so energetic, he's so committed. Those are qualities that you don't often see. You know, particularly at the higher levels, bringing in foreign players and stuff. But here's someone who's come through our youth. You know, he's always brought that attitude onto the pitch, and it will be odd to see him in a shirt that isn't a Charlton shirt for sure. I mean, they played they played a friendly. Sorry, Leo, they they played a friendly, and uh, I think I saw something on Twitter about Jordan Cousins' view from the QPR fans or something, and they all loved him in this game. I can't remember who it was, and apparently he was man of the match, and he didn't stop running this, that, and the other. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll never doubt you know Jordan's sort of determination and application of a game so I'll never hold it against him if he ever does come back to the Valley because I don't think it was his fault that he left I think every everyone 
did think that he deserved a chance at the higher level and yeah. I think we'd have been wasted if he came down and, and played with us in League One although I would have loved him to see it but oh, of course I think it'd be wasted in League One mm. uh, we lost uh, Tony Watt was a, a, another headline player that left um, it's, 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 it's a personal reasons thing is that mm. he, he needed to be back in his um, uh, up in Scotland I guess people forget how young he is um, and how he has been moved around clubs a lot it must, it must be quite unsettling uh, as, as a youngster and, and uh, Russell Slade uh, Tony Watt said in, like, praised Russell Slade himself and Russell Slade said it was the best move for Tony Watt mm. so whereas Charlton fans would be disappointed you know, sometimes you just have to say that that has things have to go that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's different, and people adjust and can settle down in different places. And you know, Tony never really settled here. So, like as you said, you know, Russell, he spoke to Russell, and Russell was happy to let him go. Like you said, he's very, very young still. Um, and you know, hopefully, this move works for him, and he can try and get his career on track because it's been very, very stop-start for him. So, you know, best of luck for Tony. But um, yeah. That's him go, to be fair. Right, both the goalkeepers <laughs> had, had to leave. I mean, um, Henderson, I think that the club were expecting him to go, and I think most of us were. He, he fell out of favour in the second half of last season, was dropped for Pope. Um, the, the, the fact that Nicky Pope went, was that a bit of a surprise? I was gutted, yeah. I thought he'd been fantastic back end of last year. We'd had our doubts the end of the season before and the start of the season. Some of his uh, command of the area and his, his spilling of a few shots, but he really developed into a, a great young keeper. And I don't know if it was just surprise or if it was just disappointment because I thought he was shaping into someone who could be our number one for a, for a good few years, really. But you know, they've, Burnley have come in; they've, they've identified him as well, and and good luck to him, really. From from what we hear, the the offer was just too good as far as Pope was concerned. And you know, he's a young keeper; he's got a chance to make a really good career for himself and. Perhaps he just didn't see that being at Charlton, which you know we, we've got relegated. I assume that's yeah. fair enough, really. And we, we saw we, we've, we've seen a similar move before when uh, Rob Elliott went up to Newcastle. And he certainly yeah. had, to, he had to wait his, ti- his, his time, didn't he? And, mm. and you, but look how he's developed yeah. since being there. Yeah, but you do think that that is going to be the case of Pope? He's going to have to wait, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I don't think he's going to go straight into their yeah. starting lineup. And it was certainly disappointing. I mean, I, I don't think they were expecting that either. I mean, we, we, I remember we interviewed Pope after the Leeds game towards the end of the season, and he, he said, you know, he. he we, uh, I think he was asked if you're going to be here next season. He said, yeah. 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 No I, know, why wouldn't. I know this regime had done some crazy things, but I don't think even they would have chosen for both of their mm. t- keepers to go on the same day or the couple of days yeah. apart and not have someone lined up to replace them. We've got a few crazy things that they've done to discuss in a few minutes. <laughs> but first, um, uh, on Saturday before the Warwick game, uh, reporter Nathan went out there uh, to, to the pub basically <laughs> he's, he's happy to work he's, he's happy to work as long as it's in the pub he was in he was uh, he, he spoke to John Chapman now John Chapman is uh, a well-known uh, Belgian football correspondent on Twitter he's, he's uh, at Belgo Foot uh, born in Manchester which is why he's got quite an English sounding name but he, li- he lives in Brussels an expert on on Belgian football so um, when uh, Nathan saw that he was here at the Valley for the Warwick game on uh, on Saturday, he he did the right thing and he got out there and, and asked for a, an interview. Uh, John was more than happy to, to to go over and speak to um speak speak to Nathan. And this is a really fascinating interview because we uh, Nathan wanted to know how uh, Roland is viewed in his homeland. So this is what John Chapman had to say on Saturday's game. So I'm here on Saturday at the Valley uh, for the friendly against uh, RKC Valjevic. I don't know if that's pronounced right, but <laughs> it all sounds, sounds the same. Um, I'm joined by John Chapman. Um, he's on Twitter as Belgo Foot, as many of you guys will know. He's a Belgian football expert who is also at Euro 16 for World Soccer Mag, ESPN and Unibet. Thanks for joining me, John. Um, just a couple of questions, really. Are you surprised at the fans' reaction to Roland de Chatelet's model, or did you anticipate this? 
Uh, I'm not not really surprised, given his history with Standard Liège. Um, It seems quite heavy, if you like, the the anti-Roland feeling here. If anything, slightly more than at Standard. It seems to have gone on longer here, maybe because I guess they haven't got the results of Roland out. Mm. Um, I think the problem with Roland, if there is a problem, and many people think there is a problem, is that um, he doesn't really get clubs like Standard Liège and Charlton Athletic, which are really big community clubs. And he hasn't really spent the time to understand those clubs to make it work, basically. Um, he's happier with uh, Sandstroden, where you know he's, he's a fan as well as the owner now. Uh, so he hasn't got to make so much effort there. So the problem with Roland, I think, basically, is he doesn't get the clubs he's bought. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's what, what a lot of the fans think is that he doesn't get the fabric of the club. And, you know, we are a family club. We've been around for years and, you know, we all want to see us do well. But it just doesn't seem it's either his way or the highway. Would you sort of agree with that as well? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to be honest, it's difficult to understand now what Roland's plan is. I think in the past it was Standard Liège as the hub and various smaller clubs, if you don't mind me saying that, because mm. uh, Standard Liège has got a, a rich history mm. in Europe and uh, I guess one would hope they would have a game, yeah. although football's changed. Yeah. How, how did teams, you, like you said, you mentioned Standard Liège and obviously he's got St. Druid in there as well, so how do fans over in Belgium see Roland de Châtelet and his, all, his way of working of, with football clubs? Yeah, uh, as I, was, as I was saying, if you like, in, in the past it was reasonably easy to see his plan with Standard Liège and, and a, a bunch of other clubs around it. Now he's sold Standard, it's not obvious what his plan is. Mm. Um, I've heard a theory that once he sold Standard, his plan was to make Santroden the, the hub of his football empire, if you like. But he's, he's done very little with that club so far since he took it over. How, how do the fans view him in Belgium? Is he had, um, is he as hated in inverted commas uh, by Charlton fans as uh, Belgian fans as well by the clubs that he owns over there? Standard Liège fans have a, a rich dislike for Roland Du Châtelet uh, and what he did to the club, if you like, because there were stories that he took, you know, ten million euros out mm. of the club, if you like. Uh, for his own use. Um, now he's at Saint-Troiden. He's not a big name in Belgian football anymore, to be honest. Uh, if he invests... He's a rich man, you know, he's one of the mm. richest men in Belgium. So if he invests a lot of money in Saint-Troiden and they start doing things, then he'll be a name again. But at the moment, he's totally off the radar, really. Mm. Um, most of the headlines probably are linked to Charlton and, mm. and the protests over here. Mm. So the fans who care about him in Belgium probably dislike him. Mm. Uh, St. Freuden is, is a minor club, and I guess he's liked there because, you know, he was the previous owner, he's come back as the owner, he's a fan. Uh, the club, he's invested in the club in, in terms of infrastructure, uh, for a small club, it's got a good ground, it's got hotels and restaurants and things, um, but the club on the pitch has done nothing, you know, mm. so that's a bit sad. So if he starts doing things there, I think he'll, he might make a name for himself, but to be honest, I don't know what his plan is. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's the biggest problem, I think, with a lot of fans, is that 
we just don't know what direction we're going in, really. Um, but, I mean, you touched on sort of St. Truiden. Do you think there are any players at St. Truiden that could probably do a job for Charlton? Because we, we've seen in the past we've had, you know, Churam and all the other players coming over, part of the network, to try and improve the team, which have miserably failed. So, I mean, do you think there are any players over at St. Truiden that could do a job? No. Not at all? Not at all. So they're all quite substandard and no, nowhere near the capabilities. Bottom of the JPL, they were almost relegated last year. Uh, there were th- three decent players there. They've all joined Standard mm. uh, because the manager of uh, Centroid moved to Standard, Yannick Ferreira. Mm. Uh, a good young coach, he moved to Standard and he went back and took the best players with him. Um, there's nothing left, really, to be honest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, thank you for very much for your time, John, and all the best going forward. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. <laughs> so great work by Nathan there, finding out that there is not a single player <laughs> <laughs> who John Chapman thinks is good enough for League One. Not even one. Yeah. But uh, interesting stuff he said about how Roland's viewed over there. How he's not, how he's the only really time, the only time he really is in the news nowadays is is through Charlton because he's mm. not a standout anymore, which is the big club. St. Truden, uh, he's obviously saying they're not a great team. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. We're really grateful for John uh, for joining us. We've only got about 10 minutes left here live on Maritime Radio Channel Live, the big match. But we look ahead to Barry in a minute. But I did promise just before we went to John Chapman that we talk about some of the weird things that uh, the uh, regime got up to uh, in the summer because, you know, that is the, the, what the majority of last season's shows were all about, really. So we don't want to change our, ourselves too much. Um, there was a couple of points that they got picked up on and caused a bit of controversy. Uh, Katrine at the, the Telegraph Business of Sport uh, conference where they were talking about how badly run Charlton are. She then piped up um, and, and, and spoke and, and tried to defend herself, but then uh, sort of accidentally uh, decided to um, liken or compare Charlton fans here protesting to, to the racists of, of 15, 20 years ago, uh, which didn't really go down well as, as, as Charlton fans... Uh, uh, fame, well, Charlton is a club of fame, and the Trust, who uh, are famed for, for, for their excellent anti-racism stance and, and, and work. So that, that was a, that was one perhaps she shouldn't have said. Yeah. Oh well, go on all day really. The things she shouldn't say, but um, yeah, no, it was probably uh, not not the best use of words. It's, I would it's say. It's quite but funny the fact that I mean, last season she would advise not not to talk to the press, and then she, she just couldn't help herself for that at that oh. day and, and said those things. Um, it, a lot of people talk about her. You know, a lot of fans out there will question whether she's experienced enough or, 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 or should be the, the CEO of a club like Charlton. And that's that's one of the things where you talk about that. That's that's bad CEO work. Mm. Is it's it? just not something you do, is it? If you've got any kind of experience, you'd know not to do that. And she clearly sees herself a lot as a victim. It, it appears. And um, yeah, like well, we, said, we saw that this week. I mean, there's yeah, well, another well, good example. Well published uh, people um, who listen to the Five Live. Uh, Monday Night Club, they did a Football League preview on Monday night, and there was uh, Mark Clem at Clem, uh, everyone knows him off the Football League show, uh, he was here at the Valley on Saturday, had uh, uh, had a chat with Katrine, he also had a chat with Russell Slade, he had a chat with various people um, and, and then went on the Monday Night show and he, he, t- he talked about um, how, he, he did say at the start you know, I, I, I'm not a regime apologist and and all this, but then he went on to imply things that whereas fans were shouting at the director's box after Carlin's missed penalty and uh, I don't think he quite got quite how deeply the the feeling ran here against the owner from from some fans, and and a lot of fans uh, challenged Clem about that today, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I mean, and again, because he didn't, he probably hasn't followed the whole um, 
issue with great interest from the outset. I think what people, yeah. like, for people who don't realise, is obviously we, we as a Charlton show and us as Charlton mm. fans, we, we know it every, every day. We're yeah, exactly. About it. Whereas someone, someone perhaps has been slightly further away from it and then has the talk with Katrine. Um, but perhaps gets, gets I, I imagine Katrine goes out saying, you know, our fans are horrible, all this and that behind the scenes. And um, uh, credit to Clem, he has since to today he's rung around, he spoke to Phil Parry. He then gave him my number, so I was out at work today. He got a phone call. Oh, Louis Clem. I was like, "What?" <laughs> but we, we talked about Charlton, and we talked about how you know how he felt, how he, ex- he explained some of the things he did say, and he, he wants to talk to Card as well. He's going to talk to Card as well. But the, the, the whole point of that is, I, I feel that, that perhaps he, he would have got one message from Katrina, whereas he knew, he wanted to get the entire message from all of us, and, and he has that now. Mm. But that's why that, that's why I think. Uh, the sort of things that Katrine perhaps is saying. Now, there's another thing that happened. We are running out of time here, so we're going to go straight to this. On the day that is that should have been the best day ever for, for the regime so far, which is announcing a real manager, like an actual football manager, Russell Slade. Uh, a, a question was asked about whether Katrine, uh, whether Roland has any plans on selling the club. And this is the answer that, Kat- that Katrine gave. No, as we, as we said in the, in the past, uh, uh, the club is not for, for sale. And we had uh, several approaches uh, from alleged buyers uh, before, uh, including the one of Mr. Varney, but somebody, a proposal like that includes a move away uh, from the valley. And uh, Roland du Châtelet is, uh, knows how important it is for fans uh, that the Charlton plays at the valley. So, there in, in that little clip, there we heard uh, effectively Katrine implying that perhaps uh, the, the bid that Peter Varney was involved with fronting to, to, as, a, as a broker uh, would, would want to, to move the, the, without explicitly saying it, but suggesting that they would want to move the, the club away from the valley. Uh, and that caused a bit of a hoo ha, really, didn't it? With a sort of a very public battle from, from uh, Peter Varney trying to get his name cleared. and uh, it ended up with no further action being taken. But it's another example of where sometimes you, you need to be careful about what you say, really, if you're you know, the CEO of, of a football club. It's, it just comes across as naivety, again, really. Um, she knows that that press conference is being watched. She knows Charlton fans are excited about the announcement of a new manager. And she also knows, or you would think she knows, how she's viewed by a lot of Charlton fans. So to come out with something like that, especially against someone who, who Charlton fans regard with a lot of respect... You know, it's just it is just so naive, and and like you say, we we have to be careful about you know about what was said and what wasn't. But Peter Varney seems to be making it very clear that there was nothing to do with leaving the valley in in his bid at all, or rather the bid that he was kind of fronting. Um, so yeah, just a, another piece of naive decision making. And like you say, on a day where they've actually got something right, they've brought in a new manager. It didn't have she didn't have to answer it that way. Um, but again, that kind of victim tag that that seems to come across again did and, and that was what she chose to say now that we're a live show we can give goal updates from other games uh, West Ham have gone 1-0 up at the, the London Stadium in their European title so that's 2 or one aggregate uh, right let's look ahead uh, the season is finally here um, we've, we've had a long summer uh, the, the pre-season uh, we're, we're starting up at Berry on Saturday uh, you can get commentary of that game live commentary on BBC London uh, 94.9 you'll be able to listen to full live commentary from them and also uh, Charlton will have their commentary on CFC player as well um, a, a big game uh, don't really know how we're going to line up because normally in the, as I said to, in, in the, the question after Warwick normally you'd play you'd, you'd try and play your starting 11 in the pre-season before mm. uh, we, we weren't able to do that I mean do, do we expect the likes of Pierce and, and Rudd to come straight in? I reckon so mm. me and Nath were talking yeah. on the way in I tried to draft it like our ideal 11 from our squad over uh, last night and at least half of them hadn't even played in pre-season so yeah I think if they're fit enough I think they'll be thrown in 
Um, Rudd, certainly, I would be surprised if he doesn't start. Um, you'd hope some of the new boys, are Jose, Holmes, Crofts, they'll probably be in. Novak, there's Novak, a question over with his hand. Perhaps I mean, not. Adam O'Lookman's had his... Uh, he didn't really have a full pre-season with us because he's off with England playing mm. uh, in the under-19s European Championship that got to the semi-final. So do you expect him to be involved? I think he hasn't... Since he's come back, he played, what, about 70 minutes against Warwick? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he'll start. I don't think... Um, I think he'll start with Callum and Ricky either side. I think I don't, I can't see him starting. I like him too, but again, he's had, like you said, he's had a big summer. You know, we've got it's a long season. He's still, you know, he's still a kid. You know, don't want the old Harry Kane burnout syndrome going yeah. on. Do you know what I mean? So, no, I think he'll probably start on the bench. I'd be happy with Callum and Ricky either side. I reckon. Feeling feeling confident ahead of the season now. When you, when you look ahead, we're still looking at this this, this short squad. I think if the, if the, if the, you know if the if the remaining few three or four come in are in the same sort of caliber as that we've got so far, then yeah, I think of course. But um, yeah, I don't know. Which is like you said, it's a bit of an odd one, really, because you don't really. It's a bit of an. We don't really know what our best team is. We no. don't know who's going to be here by the end of August. It's I don't know. It's a bit up in the air at the moment. So. Yeah, but nonetheless, still looking forward to the season as a whole. Nice early starts on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, quick quick line on Berry. I mean, they Berry have just released a statement saying that um, their goalkeeper Chris Kirkland's had his contract mm. cancelled by mutual agreement. He needs to take time away from the game. So that's interesting. There. It seems, it seems yeah. quite an amicable, um, amicable split there. Mm. Um, so they, they've signed a couple of players on free, haven't they? Yeah, they've signed quite a few. I'm just having a look. They've brought in Neil Dans, uh, Leon Barnett, Nicky Clark, Ben Williams. Uh, Zeli Ishmael, Anthony Kay, I remember from MK Dons last year in a, a good game against us. Mm. Um, so they have, you know, they've had a big reshuffle as well. They finished 16th last year, so obviously looking to try and build on that now and make a break into the top half of the table. But um, yeah, difficult to say that that opening game of the season it's always difficult, especially when we haven't really seen our full strength side. But yeah. I'm confident. I am right. confident. David Flitcroft, the uh, the manager, last time I can remember Charlton playing him was uh, a certain Barnsley Neil Charlton six uh, results. So I hope, hope you'll be seeing some more of that at Barry. <laughs> let's just very quickly let's get your, your predictions for the game on Saturday, lads. Tom, uh, I'm going two one Charlton. Two one Charlton, Nath. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go one all Holmes. I was, I was going to go for one all as well, so now I'm going to have to go two all. Uh, right, that, that has been our first big match preview of the season. Absolutely delighted to be back here on Maritime Radio. Don't forget, you can join us on Sunday evening. We'll be here on Maritime Radio and on chartmanlive.co.uk or on the TuneIn app uh, live from 7pm until 8.30 as we discuss the opening game of the, uh, the 2016-17 season. Uh, Nathan, thanks for joining us here at the Valley. No worries. Happy birthday, Nicky. <laughs> and uh, Tom, <laughs> thanks for coming in this evening. Cheers, Louis. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 